your martial arts movie podcast. Ha-ha! I threw that shit before I walked in the room! Featuring drunken Thai boxer, Will. Too bad you will die. The also drunken wrestler, Mark. I said I don't want trouble! And drunken karate master, Zero. You've lost your boss. And now... Paul, Paul, Paul. I don't come You know, baby. Fists of fail. All right, our, our objective today is to make this review of the movie shorter than the movie. Because, <laughs> and I don't think that will be very hard because this movie is possibly the longest movie we've covered on our show. Is that true? I don't uh, think we've ever covered anything over two hours. I can't recall either. Uh, we've gone into two-hour discussions. I yes. think one of our longest discussions has been the magnificent butcher oh that's right that's right that episode goes for two hours that contains a character butcher wing and that ties into our movie today wow look at all these little connections you made zero i'm so (laughs) proud of you (laughs) uh what are we talking about today we are talking about um we're talking about Once Upon a Time in China. Uh, oh, Japanese. you didn't write it down on your board. I am not using the board today because I am lazy. And also, <laughs> I can't find my dry erase marker. <laughs> so that's the real reason. Uh, and you can well, you should us. still watch it on YouTube because yes. maybe it'll show up if you if you keep nagging. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll put it in After Effects. Sure. If I feel like rendering that. <laughs> uh, yes. Once Upon a Time in China, if I could actually write this on the whiteboard, I would. And I would also say the theme of this month, which maybe by next week, I'll have it up there. Uh, We are doing uh, Once Upon a Time in China month. Month. (laughs) There you go. That's it. (laughs) Nice and simple. Uh, I mean, obviously, some of you might know that there are six movies. But we're probably just going to cover the Jet Li uh, featured ones. uh, Yeah, that that was the idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'll be completely frank here. I only seen the first two, like on repeat. I think I've seen the first two like multiple times. Um, I, it's been a while though. And then the subsequent ones, they're kind of forgettable in my opinion. Um, I don't really remember them so much. Yeah, but I've, even this. I was just gonna say this is my first viewing of this movie. I understand really? this is yeah, this is a very very important martial arts film, uh, especially in Jet Li's career, and it's the first time I saw it. And you know, it's kind of strange. I actually owned the second movie on DVD in high school. I liked that one a lot, but I just never got around to watching the first one. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I think I've probably seen both equal amount of times. However, uh, neither one of them really were super memorable to me. Uh, I think the second one probably stands out more because of the final fight. But if you ask me, you know, before watching this again, like to recap the story of either movie, I I would have given you a, a blank stare. And then after rewatching it again, I'm like, wow, I, there might be a reason why I forgot the story because there's just a lot going on. Yeah, there is a very complicated story. There is a lot of story, and this was a little hard to sit through because it's essentially two stories kind of, you know, smashed into one, which is kind of odd. I've mentioned many times how sometimes I I fear going backwards 
to the older martial arts films because I'm afraid maybe the style and the pacing and just everything about it um, might feel a little too dated for me because I, I mostly watch um, some of the modern stuff. Uh, and this isn't even that old. This is 1991. And the the writing and the storytelling just feels kind of dated. Uh, maybe not dated is the best word. It just... This needed an editor. <laughs> this, this needed a lot of editing. This needed a lot of story revisions because essentially it's Jet Li and then it's also Yoon Byu's story as well. Like he kind of jumps in and out of the plot and then towards the end he kind of he takes over for a little too long and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, this this should be over already. Oh my God, this movie's still going. Yeah. Oh man, there's a lot. There's like a can of worms that we can dive into right there. You, you mentioned a lot of things that we can branch off into their own topics. Uh, I mean, the last one you mentioned, I guess we'll get into. Uh, yeah, it really does feel like two stories in one, right? Um, so, and I guess I could lead me into what I was listening to during the commentaries. Um, so during the commentaries, I was listening, and they said that. Uh, there's a theory that goes around that this movie was technically two, uh, two separate films, uh, but then for the sake of truncation and making it digestible, you know, like because it probably would have felt more padded if we made two movies out of this instead. It could they just truncated it and turned into one film, but then watching it, you still feels like two movies. It, it but like you just or two stories that happen, you know, simultaneously. Um, but I completely buy that, like, uh, like that, that, you know, the, the conspiracy theory that goes around. You know what this feels like? This feels like two production interns were walking, you know, they're going, you know, in, you know, towards each other and then they bump into each other. The scripts fly up in the air and they, you know, uh, they just, they, somebody gets it all together and then hands it in and yeah. it's, it's a combination of like two films. And those interns look lock eyes, and then they fall in love. <laughs> it becomes oh, yeah. a rom com right there. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. So on the topic of the commentaries, there's, there's actually a bevy of information on the movie. We're probably not gonna be able to get to all of it. Um, just you and I talking about all of it, because uh, one, you can definitely listen to the commentary on the DVD um, uh, for this movie. Uh, try to listen to uh, the Mark Adley. Uh, version of it. Don't listen to the Bay Logan one. I, I think that the Mark, at, if I'm remembering the name correctly, uh, that version is superior in every way. It has all the same information. And his guest uh, commentator, well, his his co-host is not a complete boring sack of shit like the original version. Um, but anyways, uh, you can find a whole a whole like wealth of information on the movie. Um, but I think you and I should just talk about this from like the standpoint of just moviegoer, like a standard moviegoer, because I mean, uh, just give our general opinions on it. We don't need to go into so many details unless it's you know you find it interesting, right? Of course, of course. But like I mean, but it's still inescapable that we're gonna have to talk about the legend of Wong Fei Hong, which is like probably what makes the movie interesting, like the all the background behind the movie the influence of this movie i think all those things are slightly more interesting than the movie 
<laughs> now that we're 30 years out after the release of this movie. So I guess that's the reason why we're covering it for this month. Yes, um, it's the 30-year anniversary on August 15th, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so Wong Fei Hong. Wong Fei Hong. Uh, that's the character that Jet Li plays. And um, this is like one of the younger uh, adaptations, I guess. You know, like Jackie's obviously done his rendition of it in Drunken Master. And Jet's doing his version here. And I guess he kind of like became like synonymous with the character, especially with that look that he has. Like, imagine me. But with like <laughs> the, the long hair ponytail in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, Jet Li's definitely like made uh, like the character almost synonymous with uh, like himself, right? Like yeah. when people think of Wong Fei Hong, they think like a young version of Jet Li. So this movie clearly has a, a huge influence, and I think that this uh, I don't know, like but actually watching it again, it's not as great as i remember it to be although it's not par- terrible it's just not it's not like so it's not as wonderful or like you know like the legendary film that i, I remember it to be you know like it's like that rose colored glasses that I, ha- I put on before watching the film yeah so can you i guess briefly summarize who wong fei hung is i okay. kind of know the character just because i've seen that character in other films like the ones you mentioned sure. But I don't really have a history with him. I, I understand he is a real person, um, but maybe details on him have been maybe exaggerated because yes. he, he, he's kind of in this legendary status now. Yeah, he is a folklore legend, uh, but no one really knows much about him. It's it just what happens when you know uh, enough time has passed and you know, before recorded history or televised yeah. history, you know, like you, you just kind of like mythologize the guy. And right. you know, I mean, all we know is that he was a apothecary, like uh, medicine doctor uh, and, you know, Chinese medicine doctor. And also he was an expert, uh, Hong Ga, um, uh, practitioner. And so, you know, like that's basically all we really know in terms of like his, what his legacy and stuff. He's basically what Ip Man became, you know, like in terms of, television no you know, movie and, and entertainment and like everyone mythologizes the hell out of it man yeah. they, they do the same thing with Wong Fei Hong but the interesting thing about Wong Fei Hong and how like this is this movie is very meta or the Hong Kong industry is very meta is that his um his disciple is uh oh man I'm gonna forget their names uh Lam Sai Wing uh who is you know one of his students direct students is Lam Sai Wing and his Descendants is Lao Gale, who is the legendary director of so many other films. And then his brother, who is who doesn't really have much of a name in, in the in, in the Hong Kong space because he only did like two movies. He was the action choreographer for this movie, partially. Partially. And then after a certain point, do you know who became the the fight choreographer? I believe no. it's Yun Wo Ping. Yes, and yeah. that explains everything. <laughs> it explains a lot towards the end when things start floating around and you get wire work and you get lots of uh it, it becomes a little more wushu-esque yeah. yes yeah like it's very wuxia very like flying around um and uh i i do remember the second one having a lot of that too but i remember that being a lot more grounded and that's what i found very interesting about this ver- this first um outing 
uh, are the grounded work, you know, like the ones that feel a little bit more realistic. Anytime they're flying around, I'm like, ah, I, I get it's the style of the movie, but I still prefer the, the grounded work, right? Because like Jet yeah. is best when he is working like with, you know, like more realistic movements because, you know, you, can, you know that he can do these things. But that'll also lead me to my next point. <laughs> this doesn't feel like a... This feels like a Jet Li helmed drama, but it doesn't feel like a Jet Li martial arts movie. And hmm. the reason for that is okay. because he was injured. Uh, okay, I see where you're going. Yes, yes. Uh, the martial arts in this film are interesting because we we know Jet Li, the very famous martial arts actor, and he's a very great performer, especially in his youth at this time, 1991. But as you mentioned, he jumped from a second story and he landed, I guess, wrong on his foot or leg and it broke. Was it his foot or leg? I can't recall. It, it was it was his, uh, I think it was his knees, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah, knees. he okay. banged up his knees on, upon impact. Hey, he was the one who signed up to do the stunt. He could, he had he had uh, an out. They asked him if he wanted a stunt double. He's like, nah, I could do it. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, go on. And yeah, so apparently for a lot of the film, he is doubled or anything that he is in camera for, he's wearing a cast, but they have, you know, they have to shoot him waist up to hide the fact that he's, he's in a cast. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, his stunt double is Shin uh, Shin Xiang. He went on to choreograph and uh, a French film called, I think it's French, well, a European film called The Musketeer, and that fi- that film has a final fight scene containing uh, ladders, where the two oh. characters fight on ladders. Yeah, a lot of people when that came out pointed out like, oh, this is this is just aping Once Upon a Time in China. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I guess I have to watch that. Do they fly around all over the place like that too? Uh, the, that movie tries to keep things a little grounded, but they uh, use wire work every now and then. Mm, okay, interesting. I might have to check that out. Um, hey, speaking of aping, you know what this movie made me think of? And not that this is the imitator, but the movie that felt like it was imitating this is It Man 3. Really? I, I don't know why. It, it, like, it made me kind of think about this. I mean, obviously, all the band movies have this theme about the Westerners um, coming in there. Uh, oh, okay. Well, I see what you mean. You know, like, well, that, that's like the A plot, right? And also, band movies usually have an A plot and then turns into a B plot. No, I shouldn't call it A and B. They have the first plot and then it turns into a second plot. Yeah. Um, this movie has that same problem. I want to say, uh, maybe the problem is a harsh word. Uh, same uh film structure it's like here's yeah. one story and then here's another story um well with that, the Ip man films they don't completely go to like a whole nother well actually it oh, you're right it man three uh well it's, goes, it's a second story it's a second story that makes me think it was it yeah. three mm-hmm. um do you well the, the second story being that there's a rival martial artist yeah who i you do due to like just being shit out of luck in terms of life, like just kicking him in the balls, like he just turns into a villain. And that's kind of what happens to Ip Man 3 too. Oh man, yeah. This Ip Man 3 is very, very similar. But it's not almost two and a half hours long. So well, yes, I think I enjoyed the length of Ip Man 3 a lot more than this one. Yeah, yeah. You definitely feel the length of this movie. Um, uh, and 
uh, again, listening to the commentaries, uh, they there's a theory. Uh, it's not even theory. Like it's it's been reported that uh, Hong Kong cinemas would actually truncate the movie, and, you know, like just for cinema purposes, and then you know they could go watch it just so they could get more seats in the audience, and then they could you know roll out the next uh, next running of it, the movie, and just like keep rolling it, uh, like probably like cut it down like thirty minutes. So there's probably a whole bunch of scenes that are missing in those versions. And I'm wondering if I saw that version somehow because, like, I don't remember this movie feeling so long. Uh, oh man, like it—it it doesn't feel like. Um, I don't know, man. Like, do you think that we could have cut down a lot of it? Because, like, there's also a lot of story beats too. It also feels like it would still be technically difficult to make the movie shorter somehow. I mean, I would have cut out so much personally. Like Yumbio's <laughs> character done completely mm. out of there. Uh, you know the mat the the final boss. I would have cut him out of there. I would have changed it to the the Brits or the Americans being the final boss. Oh yeah, okay. Um, because because then we we don't focus on you know their story anymore. They they're the ones who who really really drag things out because the movie kind of swaps like a little halfway through to elaborate on on their characters. Hmm. Interesting. I would have preferred. The second story, I would have gotten rid of all the colonialism and and the Western stuff. Maybe really? or maybe See, that. I, I find that I I found that stuff a lot more interesting actually. Mm. So I guess to elaborate a little bit on the plot, um, during I don't know exactly what the time period is of this film, but China is being I guess would you say colonialized? Uh, the the um, the Brits are coming in, the, you know, the Americans are coming in, and a lot of Western influence is also coming in. So you have Jet Li, he, he, is, he is like, you know, the, you know, he's your surrogate character, he is your traditional Chinese uh, person, and then you have the character Aunt 13. She has come back from, I guess, being in England for two years, and she kind of represents like the balance, like she's a combination of the West, but she's still, you know, a Chinese person. And it's like him being unsure about accepting her, even though there is, you know, a blossoming uh, love going on between the two. And there is that constant back and forth with everything else. Like Jet Li is just so upset about, you know, the foreigners coming in and all these things changing in his hometown, but then realizing that oh, okay, yeah, maybe we need to start accepting these things and, and learn to adapt. Okay. Yes, yes, that, that is interesting. Although you, I mean, just by summarizing it, you're also, mis- like, obviously glossing over, like, all the actual things that happen, you know, because, like, it, it just starts to escalate in terms of what's, like, making the tensions between the foreign powers and the Chinese like, get worse and worse. Yeah. And then at the same time, there's also this second story that happens like it kind of just takes a hard left turn at first it feels like oh there's like a another character that gets introduced he's kind of set up in the beginning of the movie and then closer to halfway to the halfway through the movie uh this character just suddenly becomes the main villain and then and then like all the the both stories get intertwined yeah they come they come together at the end i mean it it makes sense but you want like the script doctor to come in and be like, no, 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 no. Like this, this is two stories. Like somebody matched up two movies 
and made it work. Yeah. But in terms of pacing, like when you're when you're going when you're getting towards like the halfway point, it feels like the movie should be ending. Like it feels <laughs> yeah. like like it feels like that natural conclusion should have happened because right. Jet Li fights that you know that that new character. But then it doesn't end. Like it just keeps on going on, and you're, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, this is my way of describing it. It is when you get to the halfway point before the sec, the second vil, villain, or the main villain, uh, gets introduced in the movie. That is your second act. That is the end of the second act. And then we, and then when he gets introduced, we reset back to the first act. Yeah. <laughs> or like, or rather, we have two second acts, and then at the end, it all culminates together. Okay. So, well, yeah, yeah, we're we're go we're going in circles about about this second character. Uh, how about we sure. uh, go a little more detail into the plot, or do you think I uh, what that was the plot? <laughs> do you think I summarized it? Like that, jet- that you summarized it pretty okay, pretty okay, like, except, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, um, and yeah, like the plot is a little bit more on the convoluted side. I don't know, zero. Did you find it confusing because you weren't familiar with the Wong Fei Hong character or some of the cultural? Um, significance behind certain things because um, watching it from my angle, I was like, I can see how this can be confusing for someone who's like not familiar with Chinese history. And even I'm, I'm again, I'm I'm Chinese American. Like I I, ba- I barely know uh, as much as I would like to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> hmm. uh, I think I was just kind of frustrated with story structure. We would introduce, we would constantly introduce new characters very very briefly. And then later we would learn how they intertwine. Mm. So it, it felt like we were just getting random characters. And then the whole time I was like, all right, well, how do they fit in to here at all? And then yeah. it, it wasn't until later you realize like, oh, that Porky character or Butcher Wing, he, mm-hmm. he's actually a, a disciple of Wong Fei Hung. Oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. I'm not familiar with the Wong Fei Hung story. So when I saw him protecting Yun Bio, like I'm like, well, who's this now? Who's this new guy? They're getting into this whole battle, and yeah, it's just uh... yeah, yeah. Um, again, I'm not I'm not the biggest expert either. I only know that there's certain facets about Wong Fei Hong that you kind of need in every adaptation, <laughs> like Lam Sai Wing, Butcher Wing. Um, I mean, Sam O Hung played him in Magnificent Butcher. Quan Ta King, who was original uh, Wong Fei Hong, like obviously, like he was in that story too for a little bit. I mean, these are all like tropey, tropish characters. I, maybe trope is not the right word, but like these are characters that you almost always need in these stories. Like anything that's involved with Wong Fei Hong, um, kind of like the Ip Man movies. Like every Ip Man movie has Bruce Lee in it for some stupid reason. Like either well, as a you, cameo, you know or, why he's in. Yeah, there. yeah. I was like, oh look, Bruce Lee is a little child. Like, but this is Ip Man's movie. Why is he fucking in this? That that's basically why you know. Uh, like we need all these extra characters that like maybe to someone who's not familiar with the Wong Fei Hong folklore, I guess like you're like, why on earth are there like five characters that don't do anything or like <laughs> you can cut them out or consolidate because you can't, you can't consolidate them. Yeah. Like, no, I, I realized that. Yeah. I realized that you kind of needed certain characters like the, um, what's his name? Like the, the guy with the overbite Jackie played by Jackie Chung. I mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, like, Bucktooth-so or <laughs> yeah, or I don't know if he's a real like character. That? Apparently, he—I I guess they included him because he's based off of someone real. Oh, okay. Yeah, you have <laughs> him. Then you have Yunbio's character, a uh, Foon. Apparently, mm-hmm. he's—I understand—like he's also a kind of uh, connected to Wong Fei Hung. So you have him. 
Then you have Ant 13, which is, I, I guess, like, what I remember watching the second movie and hearing Ant 13. You know, it's just like that traditional old DVD, you know, poor subtitles. Uh-huh. And I kept on thinking, Ant 13, but it kind of looks like there is like a romantic relationship going on. Like this is yeah. a little strange that, yeah. So that will, that will definitely confuse someone who's not uh, Chinese, I guess the Chinese, we have a very bizarre way. I mean, maybe not bizarre for us. Cause like, we're just used to it. But like for anyone who's listening in, they're like, how can you refer to your aunts on your mother's side different than the way that you refer to them on your father's side? Um, we don't have the same word for that. Like, you know, like we have ways of distinguishing like relatives on either side. And then it gets more and more convoluted as you get like branch off. It literally think of it as a very complicated tree. Like we actually have distinct ways of describing it. So these people, these two are actually not related at all. The way that they, yeah. you know, like that's, in the, that's in the movie, they, they say they are, I guess, related by name, but not at all by blood. Yes. And yes. this, this, serves as kind of like a predicament for Jet Li because it's very obvious she has an interest in him and he actually kind of has an interest in her, but he's so stubborn in this kind of traditional way that he feels that he should just be treating her like a relative when in reality it's very clear, you know, something yeah. something is going on there. Yeah, yeah. I, that's also cultural. It's like they're, you know, like they're trying to like play coy with the audience. Like you know how people complain about like oh on, on the office how those Pam and whatever his name like never get together. It's like ah, oh, this is like that. But three movies of that. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how it's handled here though. This is one of the few instances in a martial arts movie where I I think the the love story is just, it's very quaint and very nice. Hmm. Yeah. It's not like over dramatized it's there but it's not heavily focused on yes right yes. yeah that's kind of nice um uh yeah and then like get, like we said before there's, there's a whole bunch of things going on i think that the some of the production stuff like listening to the commentary um is actually way more interesting than the movie um uh, and like one in particular being that you know there's a reason why yumbu is part of this production and there's uh I mean, both commentaries both say that Yoon Pyu actually was not happy with the product, and that's why he does not come back in the sequels for the movie. He actually, you know, like, he thought he would be headlining this movie. He thought yeah. the movie was going to be about him. And I'm like, okay, that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it it know, sounds too. like, based on some previous Wong Fei Hung stories, the character Foon was actually the main focus, where... Wong Fei Hung was kind of a secondary character, so mm-hmm. I think he was led to believe that would be the case with this film. And then once he got on board, you know, it kind of, you know, they pulled the rug from underneath him. He still had to fulfill his film obligations. And yeah. then when it come, came out, it's like, oh, he's this, he's technically not the star. But it, he, you know, he does take up a big chunk of the film. Like we kind of mentioned him and the uh, the other villain character, so, but, but yeah, he's not, you know, he's not Wong Fei Hung. He's not Chet Li. Like he's, he does feel like number two in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's why he didn't bother shave his head. <laughs> that's maybe that's why he <laughs> has the bald his, cap. Yeah. Yeah. He has a really distracting bald cap that you, you could see where it ends. It's like, you know, like you look at me right now, like you see where the wrinkles, like they slowly fade where they continue. Uh, his just like heart stops. <laughs> <laughs> and when it rains in any scene where it's raining like it just 
comes down so easily <laughs> off of his head. Um, yeah, and like you said, like there's actually a lot of story, and I can understand why there's a legacy behind this movie. Um, before we get into the actual action, uh, like this movie apparently has like a big uh, influence on subsequent films. I, I think I'm not sure. Like after watching this movie, if if Man Three actually did take uh, take homage or make was paying homage to this movie because. So many of the story beats, and I was like, wow, this is literally just like Ip Man 3. Now that you pointed it out, I really feel like Ip Man 3, you know, you at least used the structure of this film. And, yeah. and you know, yeah, it changed things here and there, but it, it kind of feels like that. Mm, right, right. And there's, um, there's like a future scene, or like a, a, a fight scene that happens in the rain later, that someone in their commentary actually mentioned that it reminds them of the matrix revolutions i was like holy shit that that really does feel like that um and i mean not to mention again like in terms of the legacy of this movie how it kind of made Jet Li, you know synonymous again with the character and how much people you know uh like look back on this movie but again we're talking about the action um it's okay (laughs) (laughs) right Ah, uh, yeah, it's weird. Uh, I, I, this movie has such a big legacy, and I always heard people talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. I had the second film, and I really, really liked uh, the fights in that one. But when we watched this movie, I don't want to say I was disappointed. I guess I would say I was expecting more, because okay. there are there are some like the like the final fight, the ladder fight. Very, very inventive. Lots of crazy stuff going on in there. Yes, there's wire work, and it it doesn't always obey the laws of physics, but I think uh, that and Jackie Chan's ladder fight are like, like, you can't beat those. Like, they're just so unique in what they do. Okay, gotcha. Although, but, I mean, the second one does, does kind of does it better, right? <laughs> like, and across the board. From what I remember, I mean, we're going to cover that next yeah, week, and next I week, might be yeah. like, uh, yeah, like that's uh, it's not as wrong. good as I remember that either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully that's not the case. Right, but yeah, I think I think part of my issue too is uh, you know we like the fights to kind of just be a fight, like mm-hmm. these two characters or or these group of people are just fighting, no interruptions, you know, or with as as minimal as you can, right? Maybe a reaction shot here and there, maybe a story beat to move the forward. The mm-hmm. The, you know the plot forward here it it never feels like we get too many long bouts of choreography like that something will happen and then somebody will have to talk or we'll have to cut to another scene and then mm. it'll finally come back to the action uh, I, i'm thinking right. of uh, like that ladder fight in the end just to go back to it again like when you when they first fight on the ladder like oh this is cool and then we have to go to what other people are doing and I was like, oh, no, but that was great. Don't do that. But then, then like, a little later, they finally give us the rest of the fight. And it's like, oh, okay, okay, that's, that's what I wanted. Right. Yeah, you would think that a movie like this, especially since it has such a legacy, wouldn't do such a, you know, a common sin that we usually hate <laughs> in, in most <laughs> of our movies. But I, I don't think it's terrible. What I actually don't like about the action choreography is the insert shots to explain action i actually i didn't know that this was a pet peeve of mine but after actually watching this again i'm like wow i actually don't like this 
These Can you are, recall like a situation? Yeah, it happens a lot in the last fight. The, um, uh, but it does happen throughout the film, but particularly in the last fight where there are shots <clears throat> uh, that, ex- that you can just see a bunch of things that are happening in the environment to explain the movements uh, between the characters. So there's a mo- moment where one of the characters is... Like he kicks a ladder, the ladder hits the, then you see a shot of the ladder hitting the top of the banister. Then you see like the, the ladder breaks in half. And then you see that the, the ladder like falls into these two, two places. And then it creates like this, uh, this bridge. And then that bridge becomes something that Jet Li can hold on to. It's something like that. Like it's like a ripple effect. But like there's so many shots to explain certain things. And I, I, I see I, what you mean. Yeah, it's like it just takes too long to set up like, okay, this is what's happening. And like, okay, yeah, that's yeah. that's too that's way too contrived. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That's that's uh, an issue with staging uh staging, okay. the action mm-hmm. choreography because you could probably condense a lot of those shots into one shot, right? Mm-hmm. But they dis- that's like that's uh that's a decision like, okay, we want to show this so it's clear. We want to show this so it's clear. Mm-hmm. But in reality, maybe they could have combined those two shots by maybe, you know, trucking out a little more, showing it a little wider. Mm-hmm. So you see you see the two motions happening in the same oh. shot instead of individual cuts, right? Yeah. I was actually going to go the route of just don't do that bit of choreography, right? If it's that oh, complicated yeah. for the audience to understand what's happening, maybe just simplify it. Maybe do something that's a little bit more, you know, well, for lack of a better word, simple, right? Because like if you're gonna, if it requires four shots to explain why this ladder is breaking a certain way and changes the position of these characters to be like one way or another, just don't do it. Like just don't do it. Just <laughs> do something simpler. I don't. Uh, I don't mind the effort that they put in because you know the ladder fight. It's pretty complicated, so I appreciate mm. that they they went for it, and they at least had the decency to realize like, oh, this is complicated. We need to sacrifice maybe you know pacing, or right. t- you know co- uh, you know uh, uh, the the presence of time to show four shots instead of shooting it one way. Yeah. So I you- I, I I can kind of appreciate it, but I understand like I think. There's probably a better way to to shoot some of the action. Mm. Yeah. Do you find that it throws the momentum of or the speed of the fights off? Because that's what it does for me. Like uh, every every anytime it happens in this movie, it doesn't happen all the time. But when it does, I I get really distracted by it. I I could see in certain fights where over explaining stuff like that would throw off the pacing. I think because they're literally fighting and balancing on top of the ladders, if you don't show something to explain some of that stuff, it might feel like an abrupt cut, like, oh, why are they suddenly able to stand like that? Or like, <laughs> oh, where did that ladder come from? Yeah, I think they're just covering all their bases, right? So that <laughs> it all just visually makes sense and it all works and people like us can't like poke holes in the plot. Right. Way. Uh, well, in terms of, um, I, I think in terms of my complaints, I think it just stems from a, per, a personal, uh, like or dislike, uh, Yoon Ping is very hit, hit or miss for me. 
Um, cause like, I actually really like his grounded stuff, uh, when we can actually get it, uh, in some of his wire work, uh, sometimes it can be a little bit too much. And this is obviously a movie where I feel like it's appropriate because of the subject matter. It's, it's supposed to feel like a fantastical kind of movie, not to the extent of like forbidden kingdom where we literally have gods and deities fighting one from one another. Yeah. But it feel it's supposed this movie is supposed to be kind of like blends the more grounded, realistic stuff and the more fanciful wire work, because Wong Fei Hong is considered a legend of sorts. So it kind of makes sense that he can do these things. But we kind of overcomplicate the choreography as a result of that, and I kind of don't like that. Um, but uh, you said something before that kind of reminded me like you said like you want this movie can make things visually interesting and i think that a lot has a lot to do with like cherry hawk's um direction he has a very distinct style when it comes to his movies and then like whether you love him or hate him because of some of his movies are not you know they're not all gems um he's very hit or miss with me yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i mean at least this movie like i feel like it's visually very compelling like i actually like the the look of the movie a lot of the times yeah the look of the film is great there's lots of great uh cinematography here and there just on simple shots and simple storytelling elements mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah like I- i'm glad this wasn't like crazy like late 90s uh Chui hawk where you just get like rapid editing you get uh <laughs> him stretching out scenes so you get like cut frames and it look- looks all wacky so uh yeah this is this is like a very uh um constrained version of him yeah All, but but still but still being like his his style yeah yeah i well this is what 90s i, I guess it's like well i wouldn't say early because he is he still had some stuff in the, the 80s actually he's one of the pioneers of of bringing early or mid 80s um technology to filmmaking in hong kong so he's you know a very prolific director so like when he made this movie um I think that the the visual language of the film, like it, it still feel, like, feels very strong. You know, like, I think yeah. that this movie, like when you take any st- static shots from the movie, it, it really stands out as opposed to other ones. And that's also like a combination of like his vis- visual eye and use of Dutch angles in certain shots. Um, you know, it, it's very interesting filmmaking. But then, yeah, like there's the there's like this theme of like western western expansion in china and i actually don't know where the movie lies when it comes to that it's like do, do they do they think it's a good thing or not like i at, by the end of the movie i'm like i actually can't tell what the message was like is it good or bad like do <laughs> are you on the side of western influences or not because sometimes it feels like west the west is bad and other times it's like west is good <laughs> look look otherwise you can't progress with the times right I yeah. think the movie stands with, you know, like they they need to be accepting of it and adapt to it. I mean, because, yeah. you know, Jet Li's character essentially says that. And the whole movie, he's kind of mad at what's going on with the, you know, um, with the Westerners, with the foreigners coming in. But he, he starts to realize like, oh, like, you know, like I need to accept this. And then there's also the idea that Chinese Kung Fu can't beat bullets. So... Oof. You know, there, there's all those like little uh, 
things going on in there. And then same thing with his uh, relationship with Anne 13. You know, she is like, she's like the middle ground between West and East and it like him slowly accepting her because, you know, like uh, all the, all the Western things she brings, he's kind of getting mad at as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that comes into play a couple of times. Um, but Hey, I mean, we kind of we kind of talked to death about the story. I guess we can kind of talk about the action, and I don't think we should talk about all of them because there's so much that goes on in this movie. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. We're at the point where we give our recommendations, but there's a whole wealth of audio you would be listening to here if you follow us on Patreon. There you can listen to the entire episode, including an exclusive action breakdown of the fights in the movie. Uh, but you can still support us by liking us on all the things and watch this and other episodes on YouTube with visual cues to accompany our discussion. And now on to our final thoughts. After and two and a half, two hours, almost and two and a half minutes, hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm actually surprised that the movie ends abruptly because it feels like, oh, you could have padded it out a little bit more. Well, but, I mean, hey, I'm not asking for it. I'm not asking for it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't end abruptly because. The, so I mentioned this earlier. So this, this, that's everything. That's Once Upon a Time in China. But the, the benefit of the long runtime is they actually give everybody a character arc. You know, like yep. Jackie Chung's character gets a character arc. He's so secondary. But, you know, like we understand what he's going through. And in the end, you know, he has a turn. And, you know, it, it feels nice. You know, mm-hmm. same thing with... Um, What's his name? Uh, Butcher Wing, you know, like he, he he changes at the end too. So it's it's you know like we get a lot of those moments, so we care about these people. It it's just that it feels a little too long. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to add on that. It does feel very long. Um, but uh, I don't know. The, the, does this movie really hold up? Like after watching it, like thirty years after the fact, and. I mean, this is your first outing, right? You've, you've never this seen this. This is my first before. outing, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what do you think, Zero? Does it is it as good as everyone says it is? I like a lot of things about this movie. It was a little tough to sit through, though. Mm, okay. I can see somebody, you know, who's just getting into martial arts, trying to watch this, and maybe they'll get bored with it with some of the character mm. stuff. Like, it's one of those two things too, where the action. You know, there's enough sprinkled throughout, but it it all the st- all the big action beats happen at the end, so you have to wait through all the story and the character stuff to get to it. The character work is good, but as we mentioned many many times, uh, I I don't like how they structured the story. I think it was not the best idea to kind of combine these these essentially two sets of characters and and have them all like. Uh, meet together in the end i think it should have just mainly focused on jet lee and mm-hmm. uh and his group instead of having it be instead of adding yun bio and his master later right 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 so uh tough decision oof, for you it's it's tough i i recommend this if, if you've never seen it you kind of have to watch it it's it's it it is uh a legacy film it it's it's good for a reason but if you uh, if you have trouble with the older martial arts films, I can see people like getting possibly getting bored with this. Okay, I, I wasn't bored, but I could definitely feel the length. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, if it if that theory holds true that this was two movies that they decided last minute to make one, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Because yeah, that really does feel like that. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe it could have worked better if it was two movies, but and you know, the second story would have been Once Upon a Time in China too. Uh, I don't know. And then the other movies would be bumped in one up one number. Uh, maybe that would have worked. It was like, yeah, like if we just resolve the A story, like th- you know, with thirty minutes more footage, like yeah, it would have been a perfect good movie. Um, but yeah, you're right. This movie is really long. <laughs> it's it's incredibly long, and um, although I won't say, I will not say that the movie is boring. It it is relatively engaging because the story is interesting. The characters are all. None of them feel one note, which is yeah. important to me. Uh, espe- like especially with the longer movies, <laughs> like you're like, otherwise you're just gonna complain. Like, why do we need this character? Yeah. Um, outside like all the historical significance of the movie and um, what this the the portrayal of the character means and yada 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 the influence of Wong Fei Hong. Um, all those things aside, I think that movie that this movie is, it still kind of holds up. I don't consider it an old style movie, even though, like, yes, I've, you know, I mean, we're not comparing it to like Shaw Brothers or 80s movies, like since it literally came out in 91. But I can see why it could feel like an old style movie because like how like floaty it can be and how like fanciful some of the, the wire work can get. Um, it does enough where I feel like it, it feels like it's moving us in the direction of more modern martial arts movies. So, uh, you know, with all that said, <laughs> with everything I just said, um, I don't recommend watching just the fight scenes of this movie uh, because it is not a good showcase of Jet Li's abilities. It is so much of his stunt double that it's, it, it's, it, if you're just going to watch the fight scenes, it's not a good showcase of what Jet Li can do. And like, you kind of want to, if you want to watch a Jet Li martial arts movie, go out and watch, you know, like his, the movies where he's not injured throughout the whole thing. <laughs> uh, and I think that the story and the movie making a move outside, of like the, the pacing of the movie is good enough that you could just watch the whole film from beginning to end. Maybe if you feel like it, you can, uh, find a version of it that's trimmed out a little bit because i don't remember feeling this long um so yeah watch a movie with with the fight scenes don't watch movies out uh, don't watch the fight scenes out context um yeah that's that's uh that's Wong Fei Hung. or Wong once Fei upon Hung a time in or china. once upon a time in china yeah yeah oh and uh do not listen to the original commentary with uh mark king and bay logan because uh, that is the worst thing that Bay Logan has ever done. <laughs> Second. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly done. Allegedly. <laughs>